um, cartoons and um, like just old cartoons, like the old Pokemon and just um, others that I don't remember. But it was mainly, I, I think, I guess the, the Pokemon show. Uh, funny to say that because uh, there, there's like so many bizarre creatures and designs on that show that when I was a kid, I would watch that show and kind of drew my own Pokemon and just like my own creatures. And um, I think that's what I love to do as a kid and just draw my own things from my head. And as I kind of grew up, I um, started to get interested in other shows that are similar to that, but it's um, a little bit more, um, it's a different kind of style. And, and I think it just all stemmed back to the Pokemon show, which is really weird, but I think, which is really cool at the same time, because even now till this day, I think a lot of my work um, kind of revolves around a lot of the colorful aspects um, of that show and just like the shapes that the show uses um, some sometimes still influence my work. It's interesting um, because I always thought uh, shows like that um, that and Spongebob and stuff with the big fun and all the crazy colors. I, mm-hmm. I, it's like the pop culture of the 60s. Mm-hmm. That I, I always wondered if the people who created Pokemon and, and Spongebob and all those uh, crazy kind of shows were inspired by the pop artist. Right. Yeah, I, I think that could be it too because I nowadays I do reference sometimes um, color palettes that were used um, like during the pop art and I also love like just retro color palettes as well so I do draw a lot of inspiration from um, older works for which is strange to think about but yeah I I am definitely influenced by that and I can see how the shows were influenced by that as well I I, I think it's kind of I mean there's so many artists that pop into my head. I I, I, I act like I, I told you when we were talking before, I love art. I can't mm-hmm. do it, but I love to look at it. Do, right. Is there a type of art that you um, just like to go to a gallery and look at? Yeah, if I ever go to a gallery, I um, kind of like to look at art that's a little bit more different than what I normally do. And what I normally do is a lot of um, semi-realistic paintings um, of like fantasy and sci-fi, and so just like stuff out of the imaginary uh, realm. But what I when I go to the art museum, I like to go to the um, more contemporary stuff where it's more abstract, and there's a lot of usage of like shapes and colors, um, and just trying to combine that in a way compositionally that looks very appealing or very interesting. Because um, I get more inspira- inspiration, more inspiration from that kind of work when I look at the abstract stuff rather than the like Renaissance or um, impressionistic stuff like that. I like more abstract stuff in the museums. So like Andy Warhol, people like that. Yeah, Andy Warhol or Kandinsky, or just people who used a lot of color in their work. Um, Pollock. Y- yeah. For sure. I, 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 I love if, that stuff. I don't know if I actually... It, it is Jackson Pollock, or is it Pollock? Is it, I never know how to say his name. <laughs> yeah, 
you're asking the wrong person. I'm terrible with names, so <laughs> I I don't know either. <laughs> if, like, I think we were talking about that earlier. You we say like, uh, sometimes I say names very incorrectly. So. You get embarrassed if you say a famous artist's name wrong, especially when his name isn't that complicated. Right. Yeah, I'll understand that. I, you, I guess you never stop and question that because you just hear people say it a certain way all the time, so you don't really know what's the correct pronunciation. That's true. I mean, you can hear somebody say his name about five different ways, so. Yeah. But you try to, I like saying it right. Yeah. I would like to say it like he you, did. When you say it right, <laughs> yeah. people don't know that you're saying it right. <laughs> they just assume that it's uh, just another way of pronouncing it. That's true. Yeah. Um, now, this is going to be a weird question, but I'm just curious because we're talking about pop art um, and the 60s and stuff. Is so, it, it, would artists like somebody like who are clothing designers, like Mary Quant and the miniskirts and all that, would that be an influence too, or is that a totally different category? Um, so I, I don't know much about like the... Um, fashion designers back in the 60s, but I do look at um, fashion designers like in current time. I mainly look at a lot of avant-garde or just like the fashion designs that are out, very much out there. Um, I mean, I don't have like specific designers that I look at, but I do just, um, I do follow like pages or certain Pinterest boards or just like Instagram people that have um, very unique designs of fashion, um, the way they use fabric to kind of um, create a shape or a pattern, or they just use innovation that um, uses a different material to create clothing. It's very interesting to me. And so I, I do um, look at a lot of um, fashion designs um, when I create certain characters or certain clothing or costumes for my work, um, so it's really funny you mentioned that because that's actually one of one of the things I like um, to look at. That and I also look at um, certain interior designs, um, just like shots from certain magazines or uh, anything that interior designers are able to create a space, uh, create a space that has a lot of vibrancy, um, yet still it's composed in a way that's very appealing to the eye. Um, because in my work, I love using colors and just anything that adds a little pop to, um, to the viewers. So, um, and I do both character and environment work. So I, I like to look at both fashion design and interior design as well. Mary Quant was the one of the major people London, you know how sometimes Paris or the U.S. or Hong Kong are the places where fashion is the center of that generation. Mm -hmm. Well, in the 60s, London was the center, Carnaby Street. And Mary Quant was really one of the people who started it. And so plug her in, because she has everything you just said. I would definitely look up, look up her name, because that sounds very interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, her her red vinyl jack uh, vinyl coat and her 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 uh, haircut that was so sixties and 
everything. Mm. I mean, if you look at her, she was the 60s, you know, in many ways. All right. Uh, the white boots and the fringe and, uh, yeah, just, it, it, she, it, it, just check her out. Okay. <laughs> I would definitely do that. Because um, I, I love... I saw a documentary recently about her, and it was just very interesting how they... It was controversial because the material, the vinyl, they didn't really understand how to sew it. Mm. And they were talking, they were showing how some of the lines, she had to, like, do little things to try to get the lines perfect and stuff like that because... I'm not a sewer, so I didn't really understand it. <laughs> but, but <laughs> I'm not either, so I. But it was just it, there was a lot of stuff. But I thought it was when I when they showed it, I thought it looked really cool. <laughs> no, definitely some materials are very hard to work with. Um, just I I watched like um, fashion like shows as well, and people talk about the material being most important well I think that I think well she was going for uh, something different and um, and remember the 60s was the beginning of people caring about um, the environment and, and mm. stuff like that so she was trying to show that you can redo stuff and you know reuse and it, it, it was part of the whole there's so many parts of the 60s that was part of that, you know, that was a resurgence of things from the 20s or earlier. You know, it, it, it's very interesting. It, and another thing that I find interesting in art and in culture is that is that things keep repeating. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that? Yeah, definitely. I've noticed that, like, certain trends and certain um, kind of, fashion like factors come back now and it, it's like more it's like a it came back but it's now like considered current or contemporary they always do yeah i remember when i was in junior high school and the 50s look was in and i was i basically robbed my father of every long-sleeved um dress shirt he had um <laughs> 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 because you took it, you made it, you took it, you tied it off, and you you made it, you know, rolled up the sleeves. <laughs> you made it into a fifties outfit. And um, when I was talking to my mom, they were they had the shoes and everything, and my mother's like, "Honey, believe me, the fifties was taken from something else. Everything, there's nothing new under the sun in fashion." <laughs> right. <laughs> That's so funny to think about, but it, doesn't it every time it comes back? Is it a little bit different? Is it tweaked somehow, or is it still say the same? You, you think? Basically the same. Okay. I mean, nobody wore a poodle skirt like they did in the fifties, but most of the, except on Laverne and Shirley, the TV show. Mhm. But. Um, but it's basically the same. Okay. I mean, they were trying to, they didn't know what was going to happen in 2020. And so, a lot of fashion designers were trying to do 20s fashion. 
They didn't know everybody would be in sweatpants and sweatshirts. Mm, yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. No, I totally see that nowadays. They just, they didn't know. You right. don't know. You don't know what the future holds. No. That's a good lesson to learn. Yeah, for sure. You, know, you always think about what, what what's going to be next. And it's it's like sometimes it's very simple. People just like sweatpants and sweatshirts. That's what everybody was wearing, at least in twenty twenty. And I don't know about twenty twenty one. I mean, I think it's I think mixed it's with even yeah, it's still like that because everyone is still in post pandemic or like still that stay at home mode. Yeah, I mean, I was yeah. wearing shorts and t shirts during the summer and I've been wearing a sweatpants and sweatshirts. I I don't think I have I, I, I did take out some sweaters because I was getting bored with a sweatshirt. Hmm. <laughs> and it's colder I mean for a Californian. It's colder now so I can wear a sweater. <laughs> right. How what is the temperature over there? Um I I don't want to say because you'll make fun of me. <laughs> oh, is it like seventies? Uh, it was in the 60s this morning. Oh, okay. So I was wearing a sweater. Yeah. I was going to say, if you were wearing a sweater in the 70s, so... No, that'd be like my grandma. (laughs) My grandma used to do that. My grandma would wear a sweater when it was 90. I never understood that. She would would always have a sweater. Only when she went outside, not inside. But when she went outside, she always had a sweater. That's funny. I think it's left over because of the time period she was raised in. You should have something over your shoulders when you go out. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine doing that, though. I would be so sweaty. Oh, I just... I, it, I, looking at her sometimes, I would take it off. It's 90 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what would she say to that? She I'm fine. Because <laughs> no, I'm fine. She, she, it's her, and and she was. She wasn't sweating at all. I mean, that's just that was her. She got cold in ninety degree weather, <laughs> and she was here in California. So I mean, it happened quite often. <laughs> wow. But she was originally from uh, Romania, so it was very cold there. So and then and then when uh, she was a young girl, she was living in New York, and um, she, I guess you know between the two, that's where this stuff came from. Mhm. Okay, I understand that. Yeah. I have an, another. It's a weird question. You were saying that you get a lot of your art because you do illustrations and stuff like that. You get a lot of your art from cartoons. Is it old? Is it older cartoons than Pokemon? Like something like, um, like Bugs Bunny? I guess not, huh? <laughs> uh, no, like so the Warner Brothers cartoons. Earlier, <laughs> really, you asked me like, what was the first piece of art that you saw when you were a kid that kind of made you became interested in art? And I, I think I just said the the old Pokemon because that's what it was back, what it was back then, you know the first Pokemon, like, um, were considered old now, but 
yeah, just I. But now I, um, my inspiration comes from a lot of um, I would say more modern or like just more recent shows and cartoons. Um, so and I I get influenced by a lot of like uh, new shows that come out that kind of push the boundary of like composition and lighting and because now technology is allowed for so many new exploration in um, like animation and in movies that um, are kind of very exciting to see and so as an artist you're looking at all the looking at all these studios who are kind of pushing the boundaries on what they can do with um, certain um, character movements or certain character moments or just like special effects that make you kind of go like wow that's like super cool I haven't seen that before so um, that's what I'm mostly inspired by now uh, working as, a, as an illustrator so what movie just knocked you out oh that's hard um thing is I haven't seen um uh, any uh, I haven't watched like any like cool sci-fi movies in a while, um, but that's a show that I just recently watched. Uh, it's a show called Arcane, and it's made by the um, people who are uh, who made the game. Um, I don't know if you heard League of Legends. Um, it's they they use dynamic um, composition and just like lighting and movement in a way that's super cool and super um, unique because just the style of the game is very unique in itself and the, the style of the characters and the environment is very unique already but with the, with the, the show that just came out it um, it really pushed the boundary of what you would see in a normal um, animation because they incorporate um, hand-painted aspects and they put that into 3D models, so that the 3D models looked like they could be hand painted, which is very unique. And um, I, I just saw that, and I was like, "Well, this is this is very new. This is very cool." And um, I can see how a lot of artists can be inspired by this. Is that sort of like what they do with Pixar? Um, Pixar nowadays is a lot of. Um, it, I think it's mostly 3D. So they, I don't think they do much of the 2D painted textures. Um, I think they generate all of their materials and all of their um, colors and such um, just wholly in in the 3D program that they use. Um, so that's why everything looks very sometimes looks very clean, very kind of um, sometimes to me almost too 3D um, because. I, I do like the, the textural aspect um, when you do a uh, more impressionistic painting. Um, and that's what the, the show Arcane, um, I think, to me, did really successfully because they were able to take the 3D models and made the animation process very um, like dynamic and everything, but they still were able to um, maintain that kind of 2D textural look which is really cool to me. I think, I, I understand. I just, um, I like animation, 
I'm not mm-hmm. really deeply into animation, but I watch it once in a while. You know what I mean? Right. So it, it's uh, yeah. it's I understand where you're coming from. I just the in depth stuff. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's totally fine. I I think in the past I do use to watch a lot of movies, but just I don't know recently that's what I've been just watching because a lot of movies nowadays some some of them or most of them use a lot of kind of neutral color palette that can be very gray and kind of just like. Um, not very as colorful as I usually like in my artwork so that's where animation comes in because a lot of animation does use a lot of vibrant colors yeah. that's why I, I like it more makes sense um, and, yeah I just like I like some animation I, I can't say that I'm big into it but right yeah that's totally up to everybody's um, taste as well I, I'm not into a lot of animations, but some that are really cool, I, I really love. I also yeah. really like some of the old, old stuff, like the animation from Disney for something like Mary Poppins or Bedknobs and Broomsticks, especially when they combine live action with the animation. I think it's fascinating. It just, like, the part in... Um, Mary Poppins, where Dick Van Dyke is dancing with the penguins. I saw how they did that, and it was—it was so. It was really kind of hard on Dick, because um, he didn't know where anything. I mean, you, it, 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 there's nothing there. You're dancing with nothing. Right. <laughs> that's that's true. I don't know how they did that. I mean, because nowadays I think they have like. Um, if they do like CGI and that kind of thing, there's like a little green, you know, puppet or whatever they use so they can put on the CGI later. But I don't know how they did it back then. It was it was like they worked it through with the choreographer, and then there were like um, lights and stuff to show where the everybody's going to be, the everybody the animated characters were going to be, and. Mm-hmm. He knew where he was going, but he didn't know if he was sticking his elbow into one of them or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It, it, it was, I mean, because remember, that was the first time. Right. So I think innovation is fascinating. It is. It's so cool to see, like, whenever there's something new that you haven't seen before, um, that, that's really excites me. I love some new ideas and just things that they incorporate in animation. Because we're talking about that because they made a second Mary Poppins movie and and they asked Dick and he said, well, it's a lot easier. (laughs) Oh, the the one that came out in like 2018 or something like that? Yeah. Well, he was... I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but if you ever saw the original Mary Poppins, and you remember the old man that Dick Van Dyke played in it, and he had a son, well, in the new movie, he plays the son. Mm. So that was all Dick did, but he he's 90 years old, and he was tap dancing. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was really good. 
Mary Poppins Returns. That was the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah, I think I was going that. to like it, to be honest, because I love the original. But I really did. Right, it's kind of hard to make a second one after so long that the original was, um, everyone loved it. It's a but, classic, too. Yeah. And it has all these, um, it's funny because uh, Mary Poppins, you wouldn't think of it because Julie Andrews has been around forever since Mary Poppins. That was her first movie. But if you watch Mary Poppins, it's hard to tell that was her first movie. Hmm. And um, I forgot her, Emily Blunt plays it. And she got Mary's blessing. She was so happy. Aww. Oh, I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and there was... Um, Julie's good at that, though. She, um, she also gave uh, Lady Gaga sing... I can't remember what song it was. One of Julie's classics. And um, it was an award show where Julie was there. And Julie hugged her and said it was, it, afterwards it was brilliant. She gave a brilliant performance of the song. Because it was one of, I think it was from Sound of Music. I think it was Sound of Music. It was one of her mm. classics. But it's like, you should have seen Lady Gaga's face. It was like lit up, you know. I got my blessing from Julie Andrews. <laughs> so sweet. Um, I, I I don't know why I went off on this, but I just it, animation made me think of it. Um, right. No, yeah, I can see how that connects to Mary Poppins stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, Mary Poppins, the Disney movies that combined live action and animation were like a big deal, and then later on. The movies like um, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and mm-hmm. the Beast was the first animated film to win an, uh, the Best Picture Oscar. Did you know that? I did not. Because there's there's special. It had special effects. <laughs> I mean, the everything just was like so real. It was like 3D, but it wasn't a 3D movie. It's it's hard to even understand how they did it. But it was wonderfully done. No, that, yeah, Beating the Least is definitely one of my favorites um, from Disney. I remember watching that as a kid, and I was like, it's, like, so, some, of it as, some of the aspects is kind of like a little bit scary, you know, when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Um, but just, like, the, the, the effects and just, like, the story and the transformation from this, um, decrepit castle is this grand thing is just very cool to me as a kid. Okay, I'm a woman, so my favorite part is the hero of the movie is actually Belle. <laughs> <laughs> because she saves him. He doesn't right, save yeah. her, she saves him. I mean, that doesn't happen in Disney movies very often. So that's true. It's like the, the that's one of the reasons one of my favorite she was uh Heroine who read, loved books, and she was the hero. She saved him. That is true. I didn't think about that. You're very, you're very right. She basically gave this beast, like um, humanity. What humanity? Yeah, it's really cool to think about. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, a different it's, perspective. It's just 
when I saw I grew up, you know, with the Cinderella Snow White. Not the best real things for somebody who was growing up in the 70s. Um, mm. Waiting for your prince to come and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So when I'm a woman and I'm sitting here and I'm watching... I love. I still love Disney movies. Okay, I'm an adult who has all of them on DVD. Okay, and VHS because <laughs> I collected them earlier <laughs> um, in their nice fancy cases and stuff like that. Never gonna give those up. Um, but I sat there and I watched it and I went, "Oh my god, this is the best movie ever from them." <laughs> What a great thing for both little boys and little girls to learn. <laughs> I love that. You know? I mean, it's just yeah, such no, I totally great lessons. Yeah. The writers did a great job coming up with the convincing story that's also fantastical at the same time. But also some of the greatest actors are in it right. even though it's just their voice Angela Lansbury uh, Jerry Orbach um, David Ogden Stiers um, I mean I forgot his name Ronnie the one who plays the Beast he always played like this uh, really the kind of boy who gets beat up and here he is playing the beast. Ronnie? Ronnie. Rod knows. Oh, Ronnie? This Ronnie something. The sensitive boy. It was it was probably really cool for him to play that character. Cuz he would probably never be cast in it in in live action. That's right. kind of, see that's why I like radio plays. Because you're cast based on your voice. And you can be anything. It doesn't matter what you look like. That's true. Yeah, the, I don't know. It's very, like, I respect the people who are able to give so much emotion and, like, story just through their voice. Um, it's very impressive, like, how they can just change certain tones and nuances of their voice to match certain actions. And stories. It's super cool to see. It is. Um, okay. I have one more question before we switch to the writers and illustrators of the future. Um, do you like books and any of them influence you? I honestly wish I had more time to like read um but i i do like you know movies that were made from books but i i honest myself i i'm not much of a reader um but i guess like one of my favorites still and a lot of people still love it it's the harry potter movies made from the books and i've i've heard the comment the, the books are a lot better and i and, but they're so long, and I haven't had a chance to sit down and actually read them. Um, but this, that series is just definitely amazing that's... to me because that's because uh, when I came here to the U.S., that's the show, the movies that were 
playing a lot on TV, and I was just hooked in like this this magical world of Harry Potter. I was like, whoa, what is this? And I was just, just entranced since since that day. That was actually, and I and I wish that it not that necessarily the series, but the the love of reading that invoked in kids that no other book series has not like that where people would line up and throw a party for a book that came out (laughs) you know it was such an important thing so and the movies were part of that too because like people like me I didn't even really pay attention to it because I thought of it as a kids book um and one of my friends, I, I, um, she, she said, have you seen Harry Potter movies? And I said, yeah, I just got one of the videos. I got the first one. And she goes, you should read the books. And because we're both readers. And I said, no, no, it's for kids. And she goes, believe me, believe me. So I got the first book and I read it. It's very short, by the way, and. Mm-hmm. It gets the longer first book, as the oh, I know. Goes on. As the series goes on, it gets longer and longer and longer. The first yeah. two books are not that bad. Um, but um, the books are amazing. The movies are amazing. And it's it. What's really amazes me about the movies is that how they put the the producers, the director, and the writer especially the writer, the screenwriter, um, he takes all the most important elements and puts it into the movie. To choose those elements is very difficult because a lot of times he does have to leave stuff out that are very well loved uh, from the people who are reading the books. But they did a great job. It's a really great movie series, you know. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I one day I'll I'll read the book. Just like time. It's the probably the most important factor. Because well, I I'm I'm the kind of person that if I read something and I put it down and I try to go back to it like, you know, a couple of days later I kind of forget what happened before. And so it's just like hard to read a little bit and then go back to it and read a little bit more. Um I could read chunks, like big chunks at a time. I mean, if you go yeah. chapter by chapter, you can't do that? I I might forget, like, the very first few chapters by the, by the time I get to the ending ones. Hmm. Um, yeah. That's just, I, I'm really bad with, like, long-term memory, but I'm very good with, like, short-term memory, like, memorization. Um, that's what I found funny about college is because I was very good with, like, cramming in information and just, like, take tests, but then, like, a couple months later, I completely forgot, like, everything, which is terrible, but, um, yeah, this is how my brain works. So you'd have to study it all over again for the finals. Luckily, a lot of the finals were not comprehensive, so um, the finals were mainly new material, so I didn't have to do that, Um, but, yeah, if, if, if it was comprehensive then, yeah, I would have to go back and study. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, now we're going to the writers and illustrators of the future. 
First, congratulations, grand prize winner. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Were you surprised? Thank you very much. Um, I actually was because um, everyone's works were amazing. Because um, I, when we went there and we had um, the the big reveal, I was just I saw everyone's work and I was intimidated actually because everyone there is super talented and I didn't I didn't have like very high hopes that I was gonna win or anything. So when I came into the gala event, I was just going with the well going with going with the flow and just didn't really expect much from it. And so when they were announcing the grand prize, I I already calmed myself down at that point. I was just like, it's whatever happens, happens so like I didn't expect anything to happen. And then they called my name and then it was just like a big shock to my system and I I was kind of shaking a little bit. Um kinda of ha- had to get kinda of had to gather myself together um before I could go up to stage. But yeah, I I didn't expect it. That's really cool. And did you enjoy the workshops, and did you meet any interesting people? Oh, for sure. The um, the workshops were definitely an amazing experience because they brought in a lot of professional illustrators who are currently working in the field, and they gave us so much insight on um, just how the uh, world of illustration works and just all the way from, like, the the very businessy business tips related which are just like how to present yourself how to get your work out there how to negotiate how to um, come up with a contract with your client and all that to like just how some of the artists um, the way they work and how they think about things and what their process is like and they get to be very technical which is also very helpful as an illustrator to see another illustrator's work process and I got to meet a lot of artists like um, B. Jackson, who was a previous winner, um, and she's gone to do great things, and um, also Echo Chernick, who was one of the judges, and she gave us just like um, a lot of tips and a lot of helpful advice, and also um, we get to meet another artist who worked on Treasure Planet, um, the Disney Disney film and just like hearing his thought process behind the, behind the film and uh, just how his creative process was during that whole um, development of the movie was just like super cool to hear because I that was one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid, Treasure Planet. Um, so it's super cool to see kind of like the, the hero behind the movie. Um, and yeah, so the, the workshops I thought were... Um, very inspira- like inspirational as a up-and-coming illustrator to be a part of. That's cool. And um, uh, can you uh, tell what your um, the book you're in, the full title? Um, yeah, the book I'm in is um, L. Ron Hubbard Presents Writers and Illustrators of the Future, Volume 36. And... Um, did you get assigned the books? We did. We had um, a, um, a a session there during the week long event where it was a signing session. So like all the artists and all the writers were gathered into one room, and they had like a few hundred books that were just like special edition for all of us to sign. So each of us had to sign a few hundred books. So by the end of it, we were very <laughs> very tired. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, that was really cool just just to have everyone gather in one room, 
um, and just kind of talk while while signing. Um, just get a, I get to hear everyone's input about the whole workshop and the week long event. And hand cramp. Yeah, hand cramp. But uh, try not to think about that too much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it is part of it, you know, although I guess in the way that they do things now, you wouldn't have to do it like if you were doing a a special thing, a limited edition print. I don't, do you sign those? I mean, they used to Uh, in the old days. (laughs) I don't know if we had prints. We mainly, I think we just did books. No, I'm I'm talking about later when, when you start. Oh, you know when you when you become a famous artist and you know you're like Andy Warhol and he had all this. oh right right <laughs> um maybe I don't know I'm not there yet so I'm not sure but <laughs> when I I do I recently just did a uh, like a just a convention like a um uh, like a comic con convention in Kansas City here in Missouri and I did sign the prints that I sold and I guess. That counts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I just, yeah. I mean, um, I, I don't, I was like, I know that there's some that, like, they, they have a stencil and it's a stencil thing. But oh, it's yeah. not the same to a collector. Collector wants the artist's signature, whoever the artist right. is, you know? Yeah. That's the I think it's more personal I, that way. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to yeah. get it, you want to get it with the real thing. <laughs> I agree. I mean, as uh, do you collect? Um, no, I, I honestly don't. I mean, I feel like I might in the future, but just um, right now, I feel like I haven't had any collections. Um, uh, just because I, I think I'm so like wrapped up. To, I just graduated about uh, over a year ago, so I'm still like focusing on that right now. So that's been my whole focus, my career. Um, so I haven't had time to, but I hope to in the future. I always collected even when I didn't have money. Um, <laughs> I was just weird. I mean, um, when I was young, when I was really young, um, I liked, I've always liked movie stars and TV stars and stuff like that. So I used to, and this is probably, probably all like, not one of them was signed by the people. But I used to write to different people, and they would send me their stuff, and I would put it in my little book. (laughs) And then I would cut out pictures from the TV guide and the Sunday supplement, and I put it in the book with it. And, I mean, I made these whole things, these whole... I still have one or two of those books. Um... And then when I got older, I started collecting real stuff like autograph stills and stuff like that. But that's when I started, when I was working, you know. Right. <laughs> and I could afford yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope to in the future. Like, that'd be really cool. But that was my creative oh. way of being a collector. I would. Right. Know, Dear movie star, could you send me your picture? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's kind of hard to do that nowadays because, like, all the celebrities and everything has got people to work for them, so it's hard to be in direct contact. I feel like a lot of stuff gets filtered out. Well, there was one I got, I know she actually signed it 
because it came with a letter that was personalized to me with a bunch of information, uh, Carol Burnett. And Carol Burnett signed every, fa I don't know if she still does it because she's an older woman, but I'm sure she does because it's just part of her. She signed every, she would, it'd take her a long time because she would answer every single letter that she got. Wow. And she had one of the most popular television shows um, of her time. I mean, the most popular variety show in history, and that includes big variety shows like your show shows and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that one I know was actually signed by her because it kind of went with the letter. <laughs> <laughs> but other than her, I don't know if any of the other stuff got signed. Right. <laughs> Um, anyway, I want to um, congratulate you again. Do you have you. any projects you're working on? Um, yes. I mean, for personal project-wise, I, I don't. I mean, I wish I had more time, but I've been doing a lot of um, client projects. And, um, I mean, I, I can't really give them specific names, but, like, a lot of them are I'm doing, like, an animation project that is, like, in the style of, um, Treasure Planet, which is really a coincidence. Um, I'm doing the backgrounds for those and the background painter for that project. And um, I'm also working on a children's book. Uh, I'm doing illustrations for a children's book. Um, I'm doing a lot of artwork for board games and um, card games and um, book covers. So, yeah, all of those things. Cool. Um, yeah. And do you have a website? I do have a website. It's um, Nly Art. Um, it's spelled A N H L E Art dot com. And are you on Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter, blah blah blah? <laughs> I am on um, Instagram, and my Instagram handle is also Nly Art. A N H L E Art. Um, that's where you find me on Instagram, and you can check out my work there as well. I have my website on my Instagram pro profile, so you can click on there. It has more work um, than the ones that are on my Instagram, so um, it has a whole collection of all my works cool. that I can show to the public. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. It was great talking to you. Thank you. I enjoy talking to you, too. And thank you for chatting with Sherry.